0: about the traditional turkey and the meal. Remember, in Latin America, turkeys and hams are very expensive. And oftentimes, we think about maybe Latin America, and we think about things being very cheap. Food is not cheap in Latin America. Uh, Right now, if someone gave you $50 and said, enjoy a nice meal with your family, you would probably think, I don't know if I can really enjoy a nice meal with my family if I have to go out and purchase everything for $50. They would be in that same situation in Latin America uh, with the cost of their groceries, and especially if they're going to buy meats like turkey or ham. But yet, that's one of the things that they enjoy. Uh, they will not give each other an abundance of gifts, uh, but whenever they're able to call the family together and enjoy a meal together, it means the world to them. As a matter of fact, I'll just read to you what <clears throat> one of the preachers, Enrique, said. Uh, and this is just a, a blurb from... From his letter, this of course is not the entire letter. He said, The Lord bless you. I wrote this letter to say thanks with great love to you for this great collection that you sent for Christmas meal. This collection came at a great time in my family. We celebrated my son's wedding during this time, and I tell you thanks for your kindness. Also, a couple of the children, Flora Maria, uh, a little girl draws a picture as you can see there of a rainbow, and she has four trees, but notice one of those trees is a Christmas tree, and if you can see that up close, she's decorated it uh, with with lights and ornaments and everything, and she is wishing us uh, a Merry Christmas and also uh, a prosperous new year. On the next slide, you see uh, another picture of a rainbow, and, and you see trees and grass, and at the bottom there, you see water and, uh, look, Carlos wanted to make sure that we knew that was water, so he wrote agua on, on top of the water there. But he also, uh, in, of course, in Spanish, he printed out also greetings to us and to and Happy New Year. And this was just one family, and their Thanksgiving uh, that they mailed to us, uh, and we actually received the hard copies of this, of, of their appreciation for what we did. Uh, it's not uncommon for... Uh, these men and women and boys and girls, whenever they receive the notes from us and the photographs uh, for them to frame those and to place them in their living room or in their bedrooms. And I want to encourage you as you write the note, I want to encourage you to let them know that you have a picture of them and that you're praying for them and that you are thankful to have them as a brother and sister in Christ and look forward to spending an eternity with them. And so... um, it's a lot more than just the $50. Uh, it's, it's a lot more than that. But that is a wonderful gesture that we can offer to them to let them know that we appreciate the work that they do in ministry. <clears throat> so what do we need to do? The foyer, uh, there are two boards that have maps on them. There's actually three maps on them. And the minister's And their families are placed on the maps, of course, where they live. And if you want to take one of those, if you can, uh, we need these back by Sunday, uh, one week from today, uh, along with an envelope with a thank you note. If you have a photograph, you can include, and also $50, and you can make the check out to the Mount Juliet Church of Christ. Have you ever felt like you were running on empty? Have you ever felt like you just didn't have a lot more to give? Maybe you even felt so weak that you didn't even know if you could continue in the faith. You know, it's hard to think about victory when our struggle is even thinking about finishing. Jeff Burton recently, if you're a NASCAR fan, you know this well, and if not, allow me to just mention it quickly for an illustration's sake. He knew what it was last month when he raced in Texas, and there would be 334 laps that would need to be completed, and he was leading by five seconds, which was a pretty decent lead on lap 329, but yet also on lap 329, he ran out of fuel. And so immediately, Tony Stewart passed him, and then Carl Edwards was actually in the points lead for, for the, the championship, and uh, afterwards... There was a fellow from, from NASCAR.com, and, and his name is Dave Rodman. And he met uh, Jeff Burton at, at his car hauler as, after he changed clothes and came out. And he visited with him about this situation. And, of course, he explained. He said, hey, it was worth a try. We knew we were low on fuel, but we really thought that we probably had enough to finish it. And then he explained how there might have been an air pocket whenever the fuel was being put in, and and perhaps not all the fuel was added at the time. Carl Edwards, who would have preferred for him, for Jeff Burton to win instead of uh, Stewart, he... He, with a big grin, said, I've never cheered so hard for Jeff Burton in all my life. If I could have loaned him some fuel, I would have. I wanted him to win that race. But isn't it interesting that one of the closing remarks in this comment by Jeff Burton was, we were just about a gallon short. Imagine that. Multi-million dollar teams with high-dollar cars. The setup is, is detailed to every minor uh, consideration that could be given. Drivers have been trained for years. They're some of the greatest drivers in America. And it comes down to what? One gallon of fuel. Took him from first place to 20th place. One gallon of fuel. And another driver was serious when he said, if I could have loaned him some, I would have. Can you picture Judgment Day and that great victory we all want? And imagine how some are not going to finish well, but they would have run well throughout at least part of their life. And there would be others around them that loved them so much that if they could, they would loan them a gallon of spiritual fuel if they could, but it's not ours to loan. You remember the ten virgins and five were prepared and five were unprepared and the five didn't have enough oil to lend to the other. And it's the very same principle spiritually that the Lord is teaching here. And so in this great text that we read, we'll do the same thing today that we did last week, and that is we'll, we'll develop more of the, the topic. Last week we developed pulling up the tent pegs, talking about death. This time we want to talk about resurrection on this Sunday. We'll talk more about the topic of resurrection this morning, and then really camp out in First Corinthians the 15th chapter tonight. First Corinthians 15th chapter is the greatest chapter in all the Bible that is about the topic of resurrection. In other words, there's more said about resurrection in that chapter than any other chapter. And so we can learn some great things from this today and especially tonight. If you will, glance back over with me to uh, the passages that have been capably read just a few moments ago. And notice in 1 Corinthians the 15th chapter in verse 3 and 4, when we think about what Paul preached, he preached the resurrected Christ. As a matter of fact, he clearly stated when he went in that he preached the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus just as the Scriptures taught. Then when we drop down to verse 13 and 14, I'd like for you to notice that it is again the resurrection that remains the topic because he's wondering how can some of those brothers and sisters in Christ in Corinth say that there is no resurrection? Let that sink in. This wasn't the worldly people in Corinth that were saying this. This was the brothers and sisters in Christ that some of them were saying there is no resurrection. And with that, Paul, of course he's writing a letter, he's not there in person, but it's almost like he grabs them by the shoulders and he says, you need to think about this. Well, what's the big deal about believing in a Christ but not a resurrected Christ? And then he makes a statement here that is our theme for this morning. And he says, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. You ever felt empty? You ever felt like you're having a hard time honoring the commitment that you ought to make to your children? You ever felt like you're having a hard time honoring the commitment that you've made to your spouse? You ever felt like you're having a hard time honoring the commitment that you've made to God? Have you ever felt like you were running on empty? Listen, Paul tells us if we do not see, have our faith, have our conviction, have our understanding in the resurrected Lord, our faith is empty. We are running on empty. And we may scratch our head and say, I don't know why, I just can't get it together. I just don't know why I'm having such a hard time. Friends, maybe we need to come back to the very core of Christianity. It's not just Jesus Christ, it's the resurrected Jesus Christ that is the very core of everything that we are and everything that we believe. And that's why when we look toward the end of this chapter in verse 55 where the question is, where's the victory over the grave? In verse 57, and thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember a time where Peter, he was running out of commitment? As we're talking about this, if you would be turning to 1 Peter The first chapter, I'd like for us to look at a lesson that Peter can teach us about the resurrection. Do you remember that time when he was running low on fuel? As a matter of fact, that night he ran completely out of fuel. You remember Jesus had been arrested and one asked him, said, Do you know him? And he denied him. And then another asked, Do you know him? And he denied him. And the next time they asked, Do you know the, the Jesus of Nazareth? He cursed and he swore that he didn't know him. And that's when the rooster crowed and Jesus and Peter's eyes, they made contact with each other. And it says Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Can you imagine how many times that night he asked himself, why did I do that? He'd lost sight of the Lord. And when he finally saw the Lord, it was convicted. As a matter of fact, it would be later in After the resurrection, remember it would be Peter and John that would run to the tomb because the women said that the tomb was found empty and sure enough, it was empty. It was later that Jesus appeared to Peter and he declared to all the rest, Indeed, he has risen. And you remember it's that breakfast in John the 21st chapter that Peter jumped out of the boat and and he just couldn't wait for the boat to get to shore because he saw that early morning hour the resurrected Lord. And you remember it's that same breakfast that the Lord asked him three times, do you love me? Just like he had denied even knowing the Lord three times. But you see now Peter is dealing with, please get this, the resurrected Lord. There's something different about Peter's conviction after he saw the resurrected Lord for the rest of his life. As a matter of fact, Peter writes about it. We have the writings of Peter in First and Second Peter in the first chapter. Look at verse 3, and don't just, just gloss over this. It's a big deal. Notice what Peter says at the beginning of his writing in First Peter 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again... To a living hope, how? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now let's go ahead and, and see what the reward of this hope is going to be. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you whom are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. Ready to be revealed at the last time. Notice he says this living hope. He says that it was given to him again. There was a time that Peter had hope in the Lord, and then there was a time where he lost hope and even denied the Lord. And he went out and he wept bitterly, and there was a time that his hope came alive again. Peter, what caused your hope to come alive again? And he said, it was the resurrected Lord that caused my hope to come alive again. It's interesting that we have the resurrected Lord and before His ascension, only 40 days, but yet we have several post-resurrection stories, not only to tell us of those individuals' hope coming alive again, but it's so our hope will come alive again. Friends, we studied in depth last week of the fact that all of us are going to face death. The question is, are you going to face death ready for the resurrection? We all will have an existence beyond this physical body. The question is, will we be alive spiritually or will we be condemned spiritually? Jesus Christ brings hope because He shows us that He and the Godhead, they have power over the grave. And that's why we can say, where's the steam? And where's the victory in death and in the grave? And the answer is through our Lord Jesus Christ. Drop back, if you will, to Luke, the 24th chapter. Do you remember these two men on the road to Emmaus? Do you remember that they had stayed in Jerusalem and they thought Jesus was going to be their hope? As a matter of fact, in Luke 24 and 21, they even said, they they talked in verse 20 that, that, that Jesus Christ had been condemned to death and been crucified. But notice in 21, but we were hoping that it was He who was going to redeem Israel. But you see, when they saw the Lord dead, they lost hope. Now, Jesus rebukes them a little further down because He lets them know that they should have known from the Scriptures. They could have read Moses and the prophets, and they could have known that Jesus was going to have to suffer and die and that He would bring glory through His death. He rebuked them strongly. But notice, it was once their eyes were open to the fact that this truly was Jesus. Because at first, they didn't realize they were talking to Jesus. They still thought Jesus was dead. And so, they then turn and look at each other. And they say, did not our heart, verse 32... Luke 24 and 32, they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us as we talked with us, as he talked with us on the road? And while he opened the scriptures to us, so they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them, gathered together saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he's appeared to Simon. And so these two from Emmaus, they told about the things that, that happened to them on the road and how he was known to them by the breaking of bread. They rushed back to Jerusalem. Now keep in mind, they had turned in to spend the night there. But when they realized that the Lord was truly alive, they went back to the very city they left. They found the disciples and the disciples had also figured out the very same thing. Why? Because he was alive and he had presented himself to them And now Peter's hope is renewed. The other apostles, their hope is renewed. And even these two men on the road to Emmaus, their hope is renewed. What renewed their hope? Don't take it for granted. What gave them the fuel to continue in faith was that the Lord was resurrected. Look with me, if you will, to John, the 20th chapter. You remember that great story? In John, the 20th chapter of Thomas, you remember that he was the only one that had not gathered and seen the resurrected Lord the previous Sunday night. And so they tell him, and and he declares that he won't believe it in 25 and 26 of John 20 unless he can see himself and put his hands in the prints himself. And so the next week he gathers there, And the resurrected Lord gathers also there. And in verse 27, he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Notice he didn't say, You were my Lord when you were alive. You were my God when you were alive. Friends, why is it in present tense? Because he's alive. You are my Lord. And my God, friends, do you really believe that Jesus Christ is alive and that He has power over the grave? And you too, after you breathe your last breath on this earth, you too will be resurrected and you will have an existence. And the Scriptures makes it clear there's no middle ground. The existence is either heaven or hell. Do you believe in what Jesus Christ can offer as the one who can resurrect us into life? I would like to show you a few slides throughout Acts and, and I'm going to literally try to do this in just a couple of minutes time not to develop it. But I want you to see something that I believe is very important for this topic. And that is this simple truth. We have the Lord at the end of the Gospels giving the Great Commission and ascending into heaven. But now, what is the Lord's disciples, what are they going to do? Well, the book of Acts is what He wants His disciples to do. What is the reoccurring theme all throughout the book of Acts? In other words, all the things that could have been recorded, why are these the things recorded? Because these are the things that were done. These were the things that were taught. These were the things that were emphasized. And so for for just emphasis sake, when we come to Acts 1, what do we have? We have a Lord who is living. And in Acts 1, beginning at verse 9 and 10, we see that the one who is living is the one who is ascending and the angels that see him uh, ascending are also looking down at the ones that are gazing at him and they declare that just as he has gone up, he will also come back. He's alive and he's coming back again. And so we go to Acts, the second chapter, and we have the church, the establishment of it. The first sermon that was preached on the day that the church was established, what was it about? Now, maybe if we were in a classroom situation, we asked that, the typical response might be, it was about Jesus. Friends, that's not enough. It's not enough, and that's what I want to emphasize to you today from the Scriptures. The correct answer to that was the sermon was about the resurrected Lord. Lord. As quickly as Jesus is introduced, the rest of the conversation, it's not a conversation, it's a sermon. The rest of the sermon is about, you killed him, but God resurrected him. David prophesied that his bones would go to the tomb, talking about Jesus, that his bones would go to the tomb, but they would not see corruption. He's sitting now on the right-hand throne of God. Where does that put them? We crucified a man... And now he's alive. How well would you sleep? Take out of the picture, it's Jesus Christ. How well would you sleep if you murdered a man today and found out three days later he's back alive in Mount Juliet? I would suggest you to lock your doors if the guy you murdered is back alive. And not only is Jesus Christ alive, there's the promise, he's coming again. Friends, do you realize why in verse 37 they are cut to their heart? We've got a problem. We have to face the one that we murdered. And not only that, now we've come to the realization the one that we've murdered is our Savior. What are we going to do? And the gospel, the gospel was taught to them that He gave His life and that it's the death, the burial, and the resurrection that brings redemption and so when we go to Acts, the third chapter, we see Peter and John, they, they heal the lame man that for 40 years has been lame from the time that he was born. And when everybody gathers around and they just can't believe all that they're seeing about this, I'd like for you to notice in verse 12, it says that that he asked them, Peter asked them, why do you marvel at this? And then instead of talking to them about how they can heal individuals by the power of God, they talk about how the power of God can resurrect Jesus from the grave. And so the rest of the talk is about the resurrection of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn back with me to Luke 10 and see if what Peter is trying to convict them of is the same thing that Jesus is trying to convict the 70 of and we're going to have to start bringing this lesson back around and so as we we start concluding this I'd like for you to think is this what we need to be convicted of also in other words if somebody came to you today and they knew nothing about Christianity and they said you are a Christian yes you you go to my Jewish church Christ, yes what what can you tell me I wonder how many of us would talk about our religion. I wonder how many of us would talk about morality. I wonder how many of us would talk about a lot of things to this person that doesn't know anything and we would fail to mention to them the resurrected Christ. Listen, it's all about resurrection. The lord's resurrection and our resurrection i'd like for us to read luke 10 17 through 20 the 70 have been sent out by jesus to go out and to evangelize and they come back and they're so excited because they've been given miraculous powers and and so they say lord even the demons are subject to us in your name and he said to them i saw satan fall <clears throat> like lightning from heaven behold I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. How do we have the opportunity to have our name written in heaven when we live on earth? We're going to study tonight out of 1 Corinthians 15 and we're going to see that the reason we have that opportunity is because there is a resurrection. There's a resurrection that takes us from here into eternity. I'd like for us to close again by going to 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. We did this last week, but the reason we did this last week is we looked at the word departure, pulling up the tent pegs. How can we be ready for the departure? How can we be ready for pulling up the tent pegs? This week we're talking about faith that is not empty. When we know the resurrected Lord, our faith is not empty. Look at 2 Timothy 4 verse 6. Paul knows that he's about to be martyred and he says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. So there's the departure, pulling up the tent pegs. How can he be ready? I have fought the good fight. I have finished. See, he didn't lose it, he didn't quit. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. What faith did you keep, Paul? He said, I kept that faith that's not empty, I kept that faith that's rooted and grounded. In Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ. Satan wants to distract us. Satan sometimes even convinces us that this world's our home. We're going to live forever here. And I hope all of us know victory. The real victory that's found in a faith that is not empty, but it's full of hope. Because our Lord is alive. I hope you'll come back tonight and we can look at 1 Corinthians 15 and learn many lessons about this wonderful, wonderful hope that we can have in the resurrected Lord. This morning, what can we do to help you? Can we pray for you? Can we help you take steps closer to the Lord? Are you ready to be immersed in the Christ for the remission of your sins? Are you ready to repent and come back home? If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.
1: For teachers to be making your way to your classrooms at this time. If everyone else would please fill out an attendance card and be passing those down to the end of the aisles, they will be picked up in just a moment. Our sympathy is extended to Celeste Burchett and family on the passing of her grandmother, Elizabeth Rotert. The funeral was last Sunday. Our sympathy also to Judy Alexander on the passing of her mother, Shirley Stanley. Woodfin Funeral Home in Smyrna is handling the arrangements. Visitation will be Monday and Tuesday from 2 until 8. The funeral will be on Wednesday at 11. Estelle Pertle, the mother of Eric, is in ICU in very serious condition at Centennial this morning. Surgeons have had to remove her stomach due to the cancer. We rejoice with Nathan Brown on his decision to put on his Lord and baptism this past Wednesday. Congratulations to Manuel and Judith Camarillo on the birth of their daughter Giselle. She was born December 5th, weighed seven pounds and five ounces. A gold earring was found this morning at the rear entrance of the building, so we'll pause for a moment, ladies, as you all check your ears. I'll leave that right there. Outreach teams four, five, and six will meet today. If you'd like to Send a holiday turkey to the family of one of the preachers in Latin America. Please select one of the families on the board in the foyer today. The 30-somethings class will host a meal this afternoon in the fellowship hall for the widows and widowers. That time has been changed to 4 o'clock. Dessert will be served after this evening service. For those interested in going on the Ukraine mission trip, there will be a meeting tonight after evening service in room 100A.B., 6th through 8th grade young soldiers and ladies serving Christ meet each Wednesday evening throughout the winter quarter. The 6th through 8th grade Devo will be hosted tonight by Hoyt and Laura Smith. They'll return to the building by 9.15. The preteen Christmas party will be Friday. The 6th through 12th grade Christmas party will be Saturday at 6 at the Dukes. There will be a luncheon after the Tuesday ladies' Bible class this week, and that class will then resume on January 10th. The reaching the top outing will be this Thursday. We'll be bundling the house-to-house mail-out after service this evening. If you can help out with that, please uh, plan to stay a few minutes to to, uh, assist. The wedding tea for Clay Batts and Chelsea Harris is next Sunday at 1.30 in the Fellowship Hall. And Clay asked me to remind you men that you are welcome as well. He does not want to be the only guy in the room. They are registered at Macy's and Target. After our final song, Gary Hanna will have a closing prayer.
0: Yes, ladies and Mr. T, look for your gold earring at this time. Uh, I pity the fool that finds that earring. We're going to sing one more song, and uh, then we'll be dismissed in prayer. Uh, 705 will be that song if you need your book. If not, let's all stand and sing uh, A Common Love together, and then we'll be dismissed in prayer.
1: A common love... For.